0: up. 34% of American workers don't want to lead. Why? What does that mean for our working economy? And then how do you know if you're ready or able to lead? We'll break it all down. All right, welcome to the Ken Coleman Show where we help you win personally so that you can advance professionally to make that income that you desire to make that impact that you desire. That's our full focus here. So let's talk about this. If you got offered a promotion today and it involved being a leader of people, in other words, some type of a management role, a role of authority that maybe you didn't previously have, would you take it? Would you turn it down? Now, for a pretty good chunk of people, the answer is yes. According to Randstad's 2024 Work Monitor report, 39% 39% of workers don't want to be promoted simply because they like where they're at. Yeah, I you know. Now some of you are going, what? How could they not want more money? Well, they like where they are. Now, 34%, so just slightly below the 39% that say, I eh, don't want to lead. 34% say they never want to be in a leadership role. So what's going on? So let's take that first. Piece of data, the people that like their jobs. You know, contentment is praised. Contentment is wonderful. Now, make sure that you don't allow contentment to turn you into this comfortable rut that you kind of create for yourself so that down the road you pass up on opportunities that could actually be better for you and better your life. But you kind of go, you know, I've gotten so comfortable where I am. And we are creatures of comfort, and change makes us uncomfortable. And so you can dig a rut that is very, very difficult to get out of mentally and emotionally. So no matter how much you love what you're doing now, there is a pretty good chance that eventually you're going to start to long for some progress. More money, maybe more autonomy, whatever's driving that. That itch will present itself. It does for most. Now, let's look at the second group in this report. The 34% who said, I don't ever want to be a manager or be in a leadership role. This is pretty curious to me. I, I begin to think about this. Well, why would somebody take that position knowing that they would potentially be limiting their ability to make more money and then have all of the benefits that that opportunity of money and responsibility can provide you more autonomy. The more responsibility you have, usually the more autonomy you have. Uh, But that's not always the case. So why? Why would some people say, forget it? Well, I think there's there's a few reasons that we look into the data on this. One is a lack of trust in their leadership above them. It's a matter of no matter what role they are in or what level they are in the organization, if they don't have healthy amounts of trust in their leader, well, then they're going to have a natural fear that if they step up into a leadership role and the leader above them has to make a choice between valuing them or being self-preservationist, they feel like, well, leaders will, Pick self-preservation over principle. And guess who gets whacked in that situation? People under them. So I think there's a real issue there. We know this uh, of about the big chasm there is between leaders and workers as it relates to trust. There's a huge gap there. Now let's take a look at the second thing here. Um, there's more and more and more interest In fact, it's becoming a badge of honor. I think it's kind of swinging too far the other way, but there is a greater interest, greater conversation around work-life balance. Now, I've said before, I'll say again here, I think for proper context, um, that there really is no balance in life and work. I mean, just the amount of hours you have to work in a given week to earn a living, folks, is out of balance. If you just look at a basic 40-hour work week, you're out of balance. So, the issue is not so much work-life balance, it's it's rhythms that make it a healthy exchange when I am moving from personal life to professional life, okay? Now, most people, when they think about a leadership role, they're assuming I'm going to be adding a whole lot more responsibility, more pressure, which means more stress, right? And they're probably right in most cases. And you know what? They've seen their current leader struggle in this area. So they go, I don't I don't want to look like they look. I don't want to act like they act. I'm not sure I want that. Think about it. Third observation. A growing belief, and I'm hearing it a lot among Gen Z, uh, but a belief that the extra money isn't worth the extra work. The extra money is not worth the extra work, the extra pressure, they just go. I'm not interested. And you take somebody. Let's let's just use a uh, um, a basic example of a server at a restaurant. Now, most of the money's made weekends, obviously nights. It's a very long and and very intense schedule for servers. But imagine going from being a, a great server to management. Well, you know you're working all the hours, but then some. And so if I'm somebody who's making really good money, let's say at a really nice restaurant, and I'm making really good money as a waiter, and they offer me the opportunity to be a manager, what's the first thing you're going to weigh? The first thing you're going to weigh is, I'm already working really crazy hours, but I have to work more, and i got more pressure on me. And the money difference isn't that much. So that's a legitimate consideration. Now this is what we see from the data; those three points. But I've got a fourth reason, and I, this is a hypothesis. But I study this stuff, and I, I, I'm interested to know what you think. You can comment in the comment section. And I think this applies to some. I would argue that a few folks that are in this percentage of saying I never want to lead, they just know that they aren't cut out for it. In other words, they don't want they don't want it. They just go. I just, it's not me. I don't want to lead. It's not my bag, man. Let me give you an example. So about a year ago, um, I got an email one morning, really early. Probably sent at 5.30 in the morning. And uh, so a couple hours later, when I first looked at my email, I see it's from Dave Ramsey. And it said, the subject title was skydiving? Question mark. And I opened up the email, and he said, hey, we're doing our personality retreat coming up. And uh, I, as you guys know, I've jumped out twice, and I can line it up for us. I'm going to do it. I'm assuming a few of you want to do it. Let me know if you're in. And and I want you all to understand this, that as soon as I saw skydiving in the subject line, I my mind had already been made up. I didn't even... Like, I didn't know what the what the email was about, but but the title was skydiving question mark. And I had already said to myself, huh, I'm, not, I'm not interested in that. But then when I saw the official ask, let me tell you how long it took me to say no. Like that. Like, it was just, and I mean, boop, no. I, I didn't have to sit there and go, you know, let me think about this. I'd be really, really nervous. I think there'd be a lot of anxiety, even strapped to the back of some professional skydiver. But I get up to the door of the plane. You know, that's going to be pretty exhilarating once I finally jump out. Because there's a pro actually on your back, as I recall. So you're first one out. So my brain's going to think, there's nothing between me and planet Earth other than me. And I saw so I didn't go through any of that. I didn't go. You know what? I'll bet it's incredibly exhilarating. Let me look on Google and see what people say about their first skydive. Let me see how awesome that is. And you know that. Well, fo- folks, listen to me. I never even ran it through a filter of consideration. I just was like, nope, like that 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 horror movie. You know the title. That nope. It's just, it's just, I don't want to do it. So here's the point. I think you're, so listen, I'm trying to set some of you free. If that's you, you go, I'm not, that's not my jam. I don't want to do it. Be okay with that. Now coming up next segment, for some of you that think you want to do it, I'm going to help you walk through a three-step process to know if you really want to lead and then how to do it And guarantee that you're going to be great. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life, and it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. And we can talk to our friends, or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, but you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, it will eventually leak out. And it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space to get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through the stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken. Hey, will you consider helping me? If you're enjoying the show and you're watching via YouTube, would you like the videos with that thumbs up? Subscribe to our channel and share. If you're listening via podcast, would you be willing to uh, give us a follow and a five-star review and a share? Thank you. Um, For those of you out there who are saying, you know what, I'm I'm, I'm lacking in some confidence about my next step professionally. Well, what's right for me? Which direction should I be headed? And you're dealing with some doubt. You're dealing with some fear. Doubt is, I don't believe something good will happen if I make a change or a step in a direction. Um, or you just don't know if it's the right direction. And then the fear, right? What if I do this? Am I going to fail? I, I want to make you aware of what I believe is our signature product. It's the Get Clear assessment. What is it? It's a self-awareness tool. It takes about 15 minutes, and it spits out a very detailed report on what you do best. We call that talent. What you love to do most. We're talking about work. We call that passion. And then the results that motivate you. And when you can figure out what you do best and what you love to do most and what motivates you, you you really have purpose. And what happens is is you just have a lot of clarity. So it clarifies and verifies your skills, uh, the work you love, and the results that motivate you. And you can get it at KenColeman.com slash assessment. KenColeman.com slash assessment. Okay, let's talk about how do I know that I really, really have a hunger to lead people. Now, there's a difference between being interested in leading Okay. So for those of you who are interested in leading, um, let's say that you're thinking about it. Maybe you've just taken a leadership position. This is a way to just get some confidence through clarity. So how do you know if you got what it takes to want to lead people? Let me rephrase it. How do you know if you want to serve? Because Too many times, leadership becomes about power and prestige, and that has nothing to do with leadership. Real leadership, sustained, pure leadership is about serving people. So, here are three ways to know that you've got the desire, real, pure desire to serve. Okay. First, you got to ask yourself and then observe am I good with people now we just we're not gonna judge anybody here but let's keep it real shall we we all know some people in our life who just suck with people they're just not good with people it could be a variety of reasons it could be a um, some type of health challenge or physical challenge or mental challenge it just makes them awkward whatever that's just not their fault it could be that they're just dealing with pain it could be that they're extremely introverted and just they just withdraw and they just they just don't have it for whatever reason okay we're not judging anybody but it's just a fact you can observe and go they're not good with people okay so at a baseline meaning without any intentionality you are good with people you're just naturally gifted at connecting and communicating with people. You're good with people. So are you good with people? Now, the reason this question matters is because if you're not good with people, watch this, then you need to find out why. Why? Why? What is hindering you or keeping you from being good with people? Because we got to get to the source of that. And once we get to the source of the why or what is causing us not be good, okay, now what can we do about it? What can we do about it? Okay? That's crucial. Because it is extremely possible that if you were to self-assess or others were to assess and say you're not you're not necessarily good with people. If we know what is the source of this and we can address that and say okay, this is improvable, then great news. So let's address that. Because that leads to the second question. Do you enjoy working with people? Now, again, no judgment here, but I know some people who would just rather be isolated and work with processes, work with machines. That's okay. We need those folks. They're just as valuable. So the question you got to ask yourself is, I mean, if I'm really honest, no one's around, and I'm just kind of talking to myself, how would I answer the question? Do you enjoy doing people work, not just work with people, but people-focused work? Does it give you energy? I was talking at lunch today with a guy in our team who's an engineer, and he said, "Hey, I'm I'm moving up. I got a chance here in my next promotion to move into a more of a people-focused role, not the process of the sound engineering." And he said, "I love that." He says, wow, I love sound engineering and all that. I really enjoy people." So this is a guy who's going. I. Enjoy working with people. Check. Number three. Do you get excited and motivated to influence people to be their best, to make their life better in some way? Okay, so this is another level of depth here on the on the heart and the emotion here to go, I'm willing to do what it takes to be a really good leader because... I know the answers to these questions. I know that I have some talent, some just soft skills that I can improve upon, and I can be really good with people. I really enjoy working with people. And then I am myself motivated to help people get better. That's influence is what's driving you, and that's a key indicator of do I want to lead because leaders are serving. So are you motivated by the idea of training, inspiring, guiding, serving, pouring into, mentoring? You can pick any word you want there. Do you get inspired, get excited, get moved, if you will, to work with people to help them better themselves? If the answer is yes, then leadership is probably in your future because you're going to stand out to other leaders who see this in you, number one. And number two, you're going to raise your hand. You're going to raise your hand if you're that person. If the answer is yes, 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 to those three questions, then I can tell you, you're going to go at some point, hey, I I, I, I want to take a shot. Now, there's a classic book. Alex is always asking me, you know, talk about books you've read. Now, there's a book that's been out a very long time. In fact, years ago, I'll bet you it was 2002, the first time I heard Jim Kuzas speak. He's one of the co-authors of a legendary book, um, The Leadership Challenge. And it's a lot of research. Jim Kuzis and Barry Posner, they co-authored this book. And their research was focused on one thing. What do effective leaders do when they're at their best? What makes a really, really good leader is another way of saying this. And they found that there were five core practices that were evident in leaders who were exemplary, who were effective leaders. They were at their best when they did these five things in a leadership role. So I'm just going to briefly run through these. You can go get the book, and I would highly recommend it if you are wanting to lead one day if you are new to leadership, or if you are have been in leadership for some time. Here are the five practices of great leadership. Number one, model the way. In other words, leaders establish the values and principles of the organization, and they set the example of, we're not just going to talk about these values or principles, I'm going to model them. In other words, I'm not just going to show you the way. I'm going to go the way. I'm going to actually model this for you. Second, leaders, great leaders inspire a shared vision, a future, a destination that is very clear and desirable to where people can say, I'm all in, I'm bought in. Third great leaders challenge the process. In other words, the status quo. We've always done it this way. This is always the way we've done it. Or, um, you know, it's just no, nobody does it that way. They always challenge the processes. Is there a better way? Four, they enable others to act. In other words, they get to a point where they have done what they need to do to train and guide people under them and then they enable them By simply saying, go, I've trained you, go do it. We'll watch film, we'll work on things you need to prove, but you're ready, go. Go do it, I believe in you, go. It's very empowering. And then finally, they encourage the heart. They know that they're leading people, not units of production. And they take on that role of the coach who just pats them on the shoulder, good job. Hey, you had a bad day, no big deal, we're still behind you, next play, right? Right. That kind of mentality of a coach. So those are the five practices. And I'm going to tell you something. If that's you, leaders, you can do this. You can be a difference maker because so few leaders are intentional. Most leaders are reactive, not proactive. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full-stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over 1,000 hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary... For a junior developer, $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman, BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Let's get to the phone, shall we? Cindy is joining us now in Memphis, Tennessee. Cindy, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. I know. (laughs) (laughs) How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm super nervous, but I'm good. I'm so happy to talk to you.
0: Well, I'm happy to talk to you, and you're doing great. Nothing to be nervous about. I'm here to help. So what's on your mind today?
1: Well... I need help.
0: <laughs> okay. don't Boy, so I, do I.
1: I know. I think we all do at this yeah. point. Um, so I am a 43-year-old girl, girl, woman, whatever. Sure. And um, I don't know what to do. I spent the last 12 years at home with my kiddos and the last five caregiving for my father-in-law mm-hmm. who has passed. So that situation is over. He lived with us. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's, it's been rough. But we're moving forward because that's what he would want. He's uh-huh. a very positive person. Um, I spent seven years before all of that teaching, uh-huh. which needless to say, 12 years ago, teaching was a different animal. Um, I worked in a really kind of rough part of Memphis, and I thought that that was kind of my main problem with teaching and I kind of had a love hate relationship with it and I always intended to return. Mm -hmm. Well, I tried to (laughs) and it did not work out. Um, I got a job at a really great school system in Memphis and I just, I was worked to death. Um, and then I had missed out on 12 years of raises and I wasn't making anything. And what were you making? I was making $50,000 a year.
0: And what did work to to death look like? I want the audience to understand this because this is happening all across the nation.
1: It is, and it's really worrying me as a mom and a former teacher because I have watched teachers leave. I was the third one to leave by Christmas in a fantastic school system. I will not give the name, um, but... I thought I had it made by getting this job. I was so happy. I was working. I was getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. and I was either making videos, watching videos, making PowerPoints, grading papers, putting stuff into um, our computers or whatnot for the kids. And then I was coming home, and I was working until at least 5 or 6 o'clock at night, if not later. Often I was putting my kids to bed and working some more.
0: Grading papers, um, yeah. or what kind of stuff was causing you to, to be working after um, hours?
1: A lot of the planning and just paperwork of things. I was an ELA and a history teacher, and they threw um, co-teach at me, which I had never done before, all in one year.
0: So is that what was different between 12 years ago when you stepped out of it to come home? The, the workload has definitely increased, and, and I'm, I'm trying to get yes. to the heart of why. They're just putting more yes. on teachers? Yes. Um,
1: my expectations due mainly to testing, Mm -hmm. um, were just out of control. I was, and these poor kids, I just felt like a robot. They were telling me how to do everything in my classroom. And so all the creativity that was me in my classroom was gone.
0: Yeah. And this is coming down from, from state bureaucracies and federal bureaucracies on what the teacher has to do.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. Well, all right. I didn't want to get us on too big of a rabbit trail, but thank you for sharing that. And, and so, obviously, uh, whatever you loved previously, now there was hardly any of that. Is that what I'm yeah, gathering? It
1: was, it's, it's all pretty much gone. Um, yeah.
0: All right. So, what's, the, the, what's the question?
1: Teaching, um, so, now I'm lost. <laughs> right. I, I I need Gandalf to just, like, come gotcha. and pick me up Well, I wish I had, on an adventure. I wish
0: <laughs> I had the big white robe and the white hair and the staff right now. Um, but I think the answer lies with what you loved about teaching when you did love it, and what was that? How would you describe what part you loved about teaching when you actually um, loved it?
1: Well, and I was thinking about that the other day because I was listening to like a previous call you had taken. I don't know when it was. But you asked the girl when she felt joy, and mm-hmm. I loved teaching history. Okay. I was an ELA and a history teacher okay. and I loved teaching history because kids hate history. Right. Mm-hmm. But I had a way of doing this, that my kids loved history and they understood it mm-hmm. and they got that it was more than names and dates, Yeah. you know, and I loved it, but that doesn't really seem attainable.
0: <laughs> it does. It does to me. And so that's where I'm going to challenge your context. So basically, I, you, you did a great job of setting it up. You know, what gave you joy when you were teaching? And you got super specific with history, but, but the real answer, if I pull back, is I just love the actual creativity that I was able to put into instruction. And I made history interesting and creative and fun, so the kids grabbed it, right? So what your real answer was, my favorite part's not the grading of the papers, obviously. It's not the lesson planning. Maybe that's a part of it, but it's really about the creative instruction. Is that fair to say? Um, yes. Well, well you went, um, so tell me, you tell me.
1: <laughs> I just don't know how I'm going to teach. Oh, no, no, no. I'm trying to
0: get you there. I'll get you there. Here's my point. That was your favorite part. It, it's, it's, it's taking something and having fun. In making it fun to learn, yes, is that a good way yes. of describing yes. your joy?
1: Yes. Okay, great. I like making people joyful and understood, understanding about the things that I love.
0: Okay, great. So um, there's probably a lot of topics, a lot of interest that you have, and there's and there's always a way to take that interest, that knowledge, and then instruct someone else. So you have to get your mind out of the traditional K through 12 school system, and maybe, maybe you don't even consider um, uh, college. But but what about the world of the the corporate world where there are trainers all over the place? I mean, you think about well, training, guiding, instructing. There's a lot of ways to guide, train, instruct that aren't in a traditional K through 12 or college model. Yes or no? Yes. Okay then.
1: But I'm having a hard time and, and I sound, I sound spoiled.
0: <laughs> That's okay. Hard time with what? Um,
1: I, I'm having a hard time like thinking about not having the same schedule as my kiddos. What's the, what's, like, the,
0: what's the schedule they have?
1: Well, I mean, they go to public schools. So so like they're like out right at now, what?
0: two thirty three or something like that. Three o'clock. Four?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's not even that it's, it's, Like, we just had all this snow. I mean, you guys know y'all had it in Nashville, too. Yeah. And, like, nobody had to call in. Nobody had to worry. We just stayed at the house, and we were a family. Okay, so do
0: you have to make a certain amount of money, or is this just, hey, I'm ready to get out of the house and do something fun? Um,
1: It's just kind of, hey, look, okay, so my husband is a fantastic electrician. Shout out to anybody in the trade.
0: Come on. I love it. If you're
1: looking for something to do, go into the trade. All right. Amazing thing. So I have an idea. Um so, yeah. do
0: you have any interest, um, hobby level interest, things that you care about doing, like maybe exercise or food? I do. Or, okay, <laughs> so give me an example of something that you are really interested in, that you do um, on a regular basis. It's a, it's something you'd go. I'm pretty jazzed about this.
1: Okay, so I am insane. I grew four fifty foot long rows of cut flowers last year, and I I sold them for the first time. Interesting, and. I sold out every day that I posted flowers.
0: Well, why don't you just do that for right now and then maybe look for opportunities to do some type of instruction that you can do. Like you could instruct a yoga class. You could instruct a uh, something class for maybe, um, uh, is there an English language class that you could instruct? It just keeps you active and it keeps you busy and you can set your schedule so that you're home when the kids come home. I think it's that simple. But you always need to be thinking about, how can I teach or train somebody on something? Because I'm just natural at it. I'm good at it. And so all we're looking for is a problem that grips your heart a little bit. Well, that bothers me. We need more people to help train these people to this. And you go, I connect to that. And I can do that. And that's all you're doing. That's all you're looking for.
1: I'm a little worried about doing this with the flowers. And I was telling somebody else about this. What are you worried about? I'm like, well what if I can't fill these orders
0: and then only take wanna... then only take enough orders that you can fill. You go, all right, I know I can if, if I if I take ten orders in six weeks, I know I can do that with no problem. You just take your time.
1: Yeah.
0: But because you're just looking for some opportunities to get out and work and just do something fun. Look for here's your homework assignment. Okay. I want you to think of the the, the causes, the issues. The problems that kind of pull at your heart and you go, how can I get involved in teaching, instructing those people who are dealing with that problem? I think that's going to present a lot of fun activities for you. So don't overthink this. Do what you enjoy doing. It'll take care of itself. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.